0: Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Here's how this podcast works. Each week we begin with about 7-10 to 10 minutes on the weekly Parsha, hence the name 7-Minute Torah. You'll either hear me, or you'll hear me in conversation with a Jewish thought leader. After that, if you want to stick around, we often continue with a bonus interview where we talk about all things Jewish. Welcome everyone. This week we read a Torah portion that's a little bit out of order. Actually, a lot out of order. Because we're reading the parsha for Shabbat Cholamoed Sukkot. That is to say, the Shabbat in the middle of Sukkot. Now where we are in the Torah right now, in the weekly cycle, is about to finish the Torah. Next week on Simchat Torah, we'll read the final words of the Torah and bring that story to an end. But for this week, we take a detour, go back to Exodus... And read the parsha that is special to this holiday. It comes from Exodus chapter 33, starting with verse 12. And it tells the story of what happened after the incident of the golden calf. So if you think way back in the story, after the Israelites left Egypt, they make their way to Mount Sinai. They experience the, the great theophany, God giving the Ten Commandments. And then almost immediately afterwards, they worship a golden calf. Now, we talked about that earlier in the year at Kitisa. We talked about the fear that could have led them to abandon their values. But at any rate, what happens next is this week's Parsha. So, after the golden calf incident, after God has forgiven the people, Moses asks God, begs God, essentially for better knowledge of God. Moses says, Re'e'a ta'omerilai halata'amhaze lohodatani Listen up, Moses says. You've said to me, lead this people forward, but you haven't told me who you're going to send with me. Who's leading us? Which is a kind of a veiled way of saying, God, I want to know more about you. And that becomes more explicit later when Moses says, Show me your presence. Let me know you. And God responds in a really interesting way. God says, okay, Moses, I understand you're looking for support. You're looking for the knowledge of my presence to know that I'm with you. And I'm going to let you behold my presence. But, lo tuchal panai ki lo vachai. You can't see my face because no one can see my face and live. So God says, go over there to that cleft in the rock and I'm going to cover you. I'm going to shield you with my hand while allowing my presence to pass by you. And you will see my back, but you will not see my face. So God's answer to Moses is essentially, okay, Moses, I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you knowledge of my presence so that you can go forward into the desert knowing that I will be there with you. And Moses seems satisfied with this because the next thing that happens is that Moses carves the new tablets of of the covenant, to replace the ones that he smashed after the Golden Calf incident, and they make a new covenant and move on. But this parsha raises some really challenging theological questions for us. Most of all, what do you mean God has a back and a face and a hand? God's gonna put Moses in the cleft of the rock, shield him with God's hand, while allowing Moses to see God's back but not God's face. Haven't we read a thousand times in the Torah that God doesn't have a body or a form or an image? And don't we, as modern rational people, believe that God doesn't have a body and a form and an image? So how can the Torah be expressing God in such corporeal form? How can the Torah describe God as being so much like a person? Now, there's a couple ways to deal with this. One is to say to ourselves, well, this is an ancient text, and maybe it comes from a time when people believed that God had a face and a hand and a back. I mean, if you read all those ancient Greek stories about the gods, they are described as having human bodies. So it certainly is possible that somewhere in the mists of Israelite or Hebrew history, there was a time that people understood God to be corporeal in that way. And yet, the Torah as a document tells us the opposite. The Ten Commandments themselves seem to imply that God has no form, and you're not even allowed to make an image of God. So maybe then, it's not supposed to be read literally. And in that vein, I love what Maimonides teaches in The Guide of the Perplexed. Maimonides, or the Rambam, is a 12th century rabbi, philosopher, doctor, lawyer. He pretty much did it all. And the Rambam is a rationalist in a very significant way. He believes that the Torah can't possibly go against human reason, and he believes that God doesn't have a body. So as far as he's concerned, the Torah can't possibly be saying such a thing. It must be speaking in metaphor or allegory. Here's what he says in his philosophical work that's called The Guide for the Perplexed. He gives a bit of a grammar lesson. He says the word panim, which means face, has multiple meanings. It can mean the physical face of a person, but it can also refer to, quote, the presence and existence of a person. And he gives a bunch of biblical references to show how the word panim, the word face, can be used in this allegorical way. And the word akhor, which is translated as back, can mean physical back or the space behind something. Or, he says, the term includes also the idea of following a thing or conforming with the moral principles of some other being. And that's where he brings this passage, you shall see my back, to mean, quote, you shall perceive that which follows me. Is similar to me and is the result of my will, that is to say, all things created by me. So the Rambam has completely reread this passage. It's no longer a physical description of Moses gazing at the back of God's head. It's now a philosophical statement that says something like You human beings, you can't see my face. You can't know the true essence of God. But you can see my back. That is to say, you can experience the things that exist as a result of God's will. You can experience God through the things that God has made. And if you think about it, where or how do you experience God? None of us ever get to stare God in the face. None of us ever get to answer all the questions in the universe or know the very secrets of existence. We do get to experience God through relationships, through nature, through being in the world. We get to experience God through the things that God has made, such as it is. And that's an excellent lesson for Sukkot, because Sukkot is an outdoor holiday. During this holiday, we're supposed to build a sukkah and dwell in it. Eat our meals and maybe sleep out there if the weather's good. In other words, be in nature. Look for evidence of God in this beautiful world that we live in. So during this Sukkot, maybe we can strive to see God's back. Maybe we can do our best to experience the holiness of this world simply by being in the world. Chag Sukkot Sameach. Have a wonderful holiday. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Hey there, Rabbi Micah Streifer here. I want to invite you to continue the conversation in our new Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search 7-Minute Torah Listen and Discuss. Then you can join the group and join the conversation. See you there. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoyed this program, please leave a review or a comment and please pass it on to a friend. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week.